Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Hey, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm Dr. Pat. Many of you know me as Dr. P. And... Some of you just know me as the old crust buster. That's what this show used to be called. Thank you so much for tuning us in and turning us on. This has been an amazing journey. We are so absolutely thrilled with our Pay It Forward Angel campaign that's launching on November 11th. Uh, many of you have sent us emails and are wondering, you know, what is that going to be all about? Well, let me just tell you what this is. It is giving for the sake of giving. You all will receive emails uh, if you're part of our email list or if you're part of the 100-plus partners who are joining me in this campaign. And the campaign is very simply to give for the sake of giving. You're not going to be sold anything. No one's going to upsell you anything. You're going to get an email, and believe me, when you get it, it will all be about paying it forward. That's what this show is known for. That's what brings me great joy to know that we all can help each other. We can touch someone's heart and help them rise above whatever is going on in their lives. So on November 11th, we begin our Pay It Forward Angel campaign. And those of you out there that want to become Pay It Forward Angels, all you'll need to do is open that email and say yes to us. And you get the opportunity to tell your friends about it. And so many of you have said to us, you know, Dr. Pat, I'm just one person. I don't know if I can do very much. And, you know, I'm in financial straits right now. don't really know much about how I can help. Well, we have done it for you in a sense. Think about the 100-plus people from all over the world that have contributed free downloads, gifts, and prizes. So this isn't just about getting a couple of sheets of paper that you've probably gotten before. This has never been done before, and we're working with the top people that know how to do this because clearly this is not my area of expertise. And so I'm thrilled to be in stewardship, spiritual stewardship, really, for all of us to come together to create a brand new way of being, a different energy, a different vibration. But imagine being able to reach out to someone else. Imagine sharing what it is you're going to get in terms of special gifts so that your life can change as well. And we're going to start on November 11th, and we're going to go right through January 11th until up until the point where we launch, launch the Pay It Forward Angel Network. So everyone out there gets to be part of what we're creating. So think about how the, how the ripple effect may touch someone clear across the globe. You know, today on my daytime show, we opened up the phone lines. We got calls from South Africa. We got calls from uh, India. We got calls from the U.K. 
We got calls from multiple, many states in the United States. And what's really clear to me is that when you open your heart and you get ready to receive, and then you share what it is that you've received with others, we clearly are creating a platform, which is what we like to talk about here, which is more mountain building than mountain climbing. And so I want to thank all of you for asking us. I know many of you expected us to have a couple of commercials that we were going to drop in about it. Um, and um, that's just something that we haven't gotten to. But I want to thank you all because you have been the inspiration so for so much of what we do. Tonight, I hope you're ready to be inspired even further. You know, it's really interesting that I get to talk to people that have such a magical, mystical journey. And that journey is what they call them lives. My guest tonight is one of those, uh, one such, one such person. But when I think about who he is and I think about this notion of intuitive parenting, I wish so much that she would have been around during times when I was growing up. But here today, you're going to get to meet this author, this coach, this, this parent, this person that has sat down and authored 12 different books. You know, most recently, the award-winning Raising Intuitive Children. She's here with me today because she is also the book, author of the book I have in my hands, Kids Who See Ghosts, How to Guide Them Through Fear. Wow. Karen Good is just joining me here tonight as someone that is going to share what this book is about and how we can help our children live a life that is completely fearless, open, intuitive, and speaks to their hearts, their minds, their body, and their soul. So she's here joining me tonight. We've got lots to talk about. She's been in national magazines, you name it, Better Homes and Garden, Working Woman. You know, she's also uh, been one of the folks that has been out there to create and manage inspiredparenting.com and also the founder of the Academy for Coaching Parents International. I could go on and on about her, but tonight we're going to delve into the world of ghosts. I hope you're ready. I hope you have your questions. I hope you're ready to join in on the conversation. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so inspired by you. Thank I you. I love I'm, your program. I am pretty inspired by you. Uh, boy, l- let's just start at the beginning. And what I mean by that is you apparently have a calling in this lifetime to be the spokesperson. I, this is the only way I know how to say this to you. To Go be the spokesperson it. for something highly controversial, you know, for something that has, you know, taken on an incredibly accelerated um, evolution and acceptance right now. And that is to be able to talk about intuition, to be able to talk about ghosts, and to use the word children in the same sentence. What has that journey been like for you? What are some of the challenges you had to overcome to bring you to this moment? It wasn't until after I had a near-death experience in 2000, Pat, that I realized I felt fearless. There was a point of not worrying about the language of the books, feeling absolutely, as you said, uh, passionate, that my purpose was to help families and help children. 
so when I look back over my teaching career and things, I've always worked with intuitive kids. They were my special needs children. They were my stepson, a very difficult child in terms of connecting with him because he was so highly gifted and so highly intuitive, and music poured through him. And if he had not taught me what he needed as a creative, intuitive songwriter and musician, you know, he would never have achieved the fame that he achieved. It was not due to me. It was due to his perseverance, to his uh, explaining to me uh, what his inner rhythm needed for its expression. And so I look at my books pad, and each one is kind of a progressive uh, step in, in, you know, nurture children's gifts. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. Well, one of these gifts might be intuitive intelligence, so how do we raise them, you know? And Kids Who See Ghosts came of gout because on the Raising Intuitive Children's blog, I happened to do a post on Psychic Kids Who See Ghosts television show, and I got thousands upon tens of thousands of questions from parents whose kids saw ghosts, but I got the parents who were scared and wanted Mm. to know exactly what every parent asks. Are they nuts? Do I need to take them and put them on medication? And so, you know, I didn't hesitate. Where I see a need, I dive in, and I responded to every person. And that led to the writing of this last book that you mentioned, Kids Who See Ghosts. Well, I mean, you know, just the idea of talking about ghosts, I, I, I'm, you know what I'm really struck by, and I want to ask you about this. You know, what do you think the impact of, of the movie The Sixth Sense has had? Well, in every parent I've talked to, they remember it. Mm-hmm. Not only do they remember it, but it struck them, uh, some of them as like, yes, that's my truth, and other people like, oh, my gosh, that scares me to death, but I'm curious. I'm mystified. I want to know more. So I think it's had a bit, big impact because it has been mentioned to me so often. Mm. It doesn't in a way validate what you've already known, or is it, or is it just Hollywood, or is it a combination? Because one of the things that I love about this is that you and I, right, we're getting to have a conversation, Dr. Karen, about, about the, the, this topic, and we're able to have it over a technology that literally didn't exist when I first started, barely existed when I first started radio in 2003. And now it is commonplace to do a show like this and have people listening from all across the globe in awe, not in controversy. You know, do you think we have made great strides to the point where we can make it safe for our children, the children that do see ghosts that are intuitive? I think we're in the process of making these great strides, yes. The parents that contact me are curious, they're educated, even if they're frightened. When I ask them to believe in their child, whether or not they believe in ghosts really doesn't matter. Because, you see, everybody makes it about the ghosts. And this book is about the parent helping the child be empowered through any kind of fear. And I'll tell you why, because so many people that I've dealt with in coaching or counseling that are frightened as adults had some sort of experience that they feel was 
about a ghost or an alien abduction or stories of fear that they remember as a child but can't pinpoint. So these nebulous fears are floating around. And safety, the feeling of connection, is absolutely primary for anybody to be able to talk with another person about this, parent-child mm-hmm. or parent-coach or therapist or school teacher. Uh, you know, I even get a few emails from school teachers, Pat, who really want to help a sensitive child, and they recognize that child is sensitive, and they actually try to accommodate the child, but they don't know who to talk to. Um, so, you know, I get emails periodically just saying this mm-hmm. kid is in my classroom or this child is a dreamer, and I don't know how to stimulate them or motivate them. How do I help them? Mm-hmm. So I think there's... Just a brand new day. I think it's a renaissance for intuition, and I think it's a renaissance for the fact that these inner experiences are increasing, and we can't shut them down anymore. We can't medicate it away. It's not going away. I love what I love what your message is. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about these things we call ghosts. What actually are they, and do they only come out Halloween? But more importantly. This is an incredible book, Kids Who See Ghosts, How to Guide Them Through Fear. Uh, there are messages, stories throughout this book, but also you get to hear from different people that have been, let's just call it, uh, joining Karen in the journey to make sure that we give voice to something so important. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Are you tired of hanging on to things in your life that hold you back? Get ready to reclaim your fearless nature with Annette Bingham. Annette has been a catalyst for helping people achieve maximum results. Known for her breakthrough approaches, she will assist you to unleash your true power. Her unique distance healing techniques have been empowering people globally. Get ready for a life-changing event to step into your fearless nature. For more information, visit AnnetteBingham.com or call 432-770-4062. Do you ever get so frazzled you find it difficult to function? Many people are experiencing more stress and fear than ever. When we react from this place of fear and stress, we end up damaging relationships and creating more grief in our lives. Lynette McKenzie has a solution for you. The Energy Emergency Toolkit. Ten easy tools to go from frazzled to fantastic in five minutes. Visit OpenLiveNow.com and download your free Energy Emergency Toolkit and go from frazzled to fantastic now. After a 15-year search for a truly delicious, healthy, easy-to-prepare organic meal, Savitri and Adil Pakivala founded Eastern Essence. They set out to do what their friends and business acquaintances thought impossible, to produce delicious, healthy, vital food grown in harmony with nature and to promote organic farming in India. Happy food, happy people, happy planet. For more information, go to easternessence.com. That's easternessence.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Do you know how to achieve wellness in all areas of your life? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. 
Signs of wellness are a capacity to love and ability to nurture, a sense of purpose, a good sense of humor and plenty of fun in your life, a concern for others and a respect for the environment, a conscious commitment to personal excellence, a sense of balance and integrated lifestyle, and capacity to cope with whatever life presents. Well people enjoy their lives and want them to last as long as possible. That's why the wellness mindset usually accompanies other constructive healthy lifestyle habits. By adopting a wellness mindset and behaviors like eating well, taking the right nutrition for the body, exercising, and saying affirmations are just a few things to structure a healthy system of values and beliefs. With CRA, I will be your wellness coach to help you achieve a wellness lifestyle. Call us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. For more information about us, uh, go to Dr. Pat Live. If you have a question and you're not able to call in, if you go to drpatlive.com, the website, and on the right-hand side, it says, ask a question. You go ahead and ask your question, and we'll get it on air. Joining me here today is uh, uh, Karen Good, and she's joining me because of several reasons. One, she has been a spokesperson for so many people that really could not stand up and speak for themselves in so many ways. We're talking about children. We're talking about parents. But we're talking about people in general, you know, that have had an experience with the unknown, with the mystical, with the intuitive, uh, with the psychic, whatever the words are that come to mind. But her latest book, it was kind of cool, Kids Who See Ghosts. This is really, uh, this is a, first of all, it's a fun, it was a fun book for me to read. It was also uh, incredible to see that so many of my friends were also in the book, John Holland, Donna Sibo, uh, and many others, and talking about their experience, Sonia, Sonia Choquette. But the way that Karen has been able to put this together is a way that enables all of us to look at these experiences that are going on in our lives, but stand tall in the face of what others may tell us these are about. Karen, thank you for joining us here today. I wanted to start with a conversation about ghosts because many people don't know what they are. But I also want to hear from you about the level of fear that we've developed over time. And this goes back centuries on what ghosts are, what they aren't, and what we've been learned to fear. The way that I understand ghosts from experience and from my interviews with people in this book, most of us describe them as spirits of people who have passed over from the physical to the non-physical, from being physical in the body to being spirit walkers. And there's a lot of discussion in that book about imprint patterns, such as uh, a young boy goes camping with his father near Gettysburg Battlefield, and he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he sees this Union soldier walking in front of him, you know, as if it were a scene from a movie, right? So he's looking at this. He goes back to sleep. He wakes up again. He's still there. And he tells his dad about it the next day. But, you know, was that a ghost or was that a scene, you know, imprinted upon that intense emotional battlefield. Mm -hmm. So the way that I'm describing ghosts here 
have to do with what children usually see, hear, feel, or are in touch with in some way with their extrasensory perception. So usually it's a parent, a sister, a sibling, a friend, a grandparent that's passed over. Sometimes it is someone from another lifetime, someone that lived or died near the house. But usually we're talking about spirits who are in the next plane over, call it the field beyond our physical, visual ability to see it. Um, And I have put other definitions in the book, and some of those do come from my friend Brent Steiger, who's had 40 years or 50 years in this field since he was 18 years old. And, you know, he has encountered what he calls negative entities, ghosts that haunt people who have passed over that are of malintent in the spirit world. So I don't want to leave it open that, um, you know, people should be naive about this, that all, all ghosts are angels and all people who pass over are nice or not angry or or kind, or change their consciousness somehow just in the process of passing over. They do not. Um, But I have never encountered anything evil myself. I have been on the scene of a car accident, the first person uh, with my husband late at night, and we saw a pickup truck that was turned over. uh, We didn't see any people, however, so we got out, and I went to pick up a blanket on the street. And it turns out that blanket was a body, and the skull was cracked open. And I saw the spirit just in a translucent human form, staring at at himself and then staring at me. He saw me, and I saw him. And he recognized that he was dead, and he was angry. Mm. So I went back and... uh, Someone behind me who had pulled up on the highway had eventually called the police. But that was my version of the angriest that I've seen of someone who has passed over. And Mm -hmm. I've had a couple other incidents in my life where I happen to be on the scene when someone has died. And I have dealt with the spirit or assisted that spirit. But I haven't gone so much to haunted houses and done castaways or cleanings, though I do instruct people to do that in their home. So does that give you a general picture of what we cover in terms it of does. It does. Because, you know, or, you know, because I think we all have interpretations of what ghosts are and what, what aren't. And, um, and, it, it, and we're so bombarded right now by our pop culture, right? Of course, Halloween just passing and, you know, getting so many visualizations of, of, of ghosts and spirits and so forth. But the, the question then, I, I guess, emerges about, you know, what it's like for children uh, here, Karen. What is the experience like for children that see ghosts? What do they make of it? You know, maybe it would be great if you could describe one of the stories um, of children that see ghosts. Well, I can give you several different examples, all of which I think are very illustrative in a different way of different ages. But I just dealt with a woman in California, I mean in Florida, whose two-year-old was on his way to bed, and he woke up screaming in the middle of the night after he'd gone to bed because he saw something. 
And it's one of those situations where it's very gut-gripping, where he's scared to death, and he's pointing in the corner, and he's going, no, 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 but that's about all he can say. So, you know, that ghost was cleaned out of the bedroom, and it's taken the little boy five, six days now to be able to go back and sleep in his room. Mm. And as usual, it caused controversy in the family. Mom contacted me. Uh, Mom wanted help, and we tuned in, and we saw that it was... It was a 15-year-old boy who had died in a car accident around in the countryside, probably six, seven years back, and he wanted his family. He's looking for his family. So uh, he was sent on, but the, re- the residual within the child is still there. The child still has that paired association of fear, right? So they worked through that, but it caused arguments in the family about how to deal with it. So that's one story. In the book, there's also Lucy, who's 12, and she wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's a ghost in her father's apartment of a girl of similar age. And when Lucy goes back to her mom's apartment, because they're now divorced, uh, the ghost follows her. And by the time I got to the situation, the parents didn't know whether to shut this ghost down, if it was her imagination, take her to a psychiatrist. Mm. So, you know, we we decided to believe the girl, and we decided to take notes and keep a diary. Uh, and basically, Lucy did fine. There was a little moodiness about the divorce, but her grades kept up. She didn't get depressed. And about a year and a half later, you know, she told her mom the whole story, that this girl had also died in an accident, lost her family, and she found Lucy because Lucy had lost her family. So did the ghost find Lucy? Did Lucy develop the ghost? You know, at that point, it didn't matter. Lucy had a relationship with this imaginary friend for a year and a half, and when it was over, it was over. Now, if she was three, Pat, we would have done play therapy with her, and we'd have had a doll, okay? Got it. This was Lucy's play therapy. So that's another story. And... uh Another one in the book is a young, uh, a little infant at two weeks of age was almost uh, gone. His heart was going. The doctors told his mother, Doreen, to prepare for his death. And she went in there and she talked to him and she said, I want you to live. You know, be with us. We love you. You're our family. Well, guess what? There wasn't any sign of heart disease the next morning. However, Mm -hmm. the little boy, as soon as he could start talking, has a menagerie of friends who protect him. Some are animals, some are other people on the other side, and he talks with them consistently. He's now five years old. And Doreen, her story is in there because she had to make the decision that this she's not going to change her child, and she's the child, she's the mother of a child that other people are going to say is nuts. And she has to make decisions about homeschooling him. But he's so intuitive, he'll say, Mom, there's a red cat that will come to the door, and he's mine. And the next morning, a red cat comes to the door. And he'll say, Mom, you can't leave because somebody's going to rob the house on Saturday night. Will you stay home? Wow. Sure enough, they have a detective come, and somebody tries to break in their window. You know, a teenage kid in the neighborhood. So what do you do with a child like this who sees ghosts and can predict the future? These are what we're dealing with. Mm. And Does you know, I want to perfect. I want to talk to you when we come back about why do some people see ghosts and why some people not. 
I mean, why is it that some children see ghosts? And, you know, what can parents learn and do uh, to help their children? Should this be something they, they learn to cultivate? And and much more. I'm so thrilled. You know, Karen Good is joining me here today. The book is Kids Who See Ghosts. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to explore that and much more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Are you tired of being bloated and nauseous? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know eating unhealthy foods eventually leads to an unhealthy digestive system? Did you know eating the most healthy, nutritious food doesn't necessarily result in a healthy body? The stomach must be healthy in order to properly digest, metabolize, and utilize even the best of nutrition. Without proper digestion from the stomach through the intestinal tract, the nutritious value is not absorbed and the improperly digested food can be more toxic to your body than helpful. You can be doing all the right things and getting all the wrong results. In fact, other organs may also be interfering with your stomach's ability to digest. With CRA, we are able to determine the specific cause of the digestive issue and use the proper nutrition to correct the imbalance. Contact us today for your appointment at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. Or visit us at maryjanemack.com. Reserve Vage Organics offers you the most advanced anti-aging product available. Our organic-based resveratrol formula, brought to you from the heart of our exclusive vineyards in southern France, has been clinically proven to reactivate your longevity gene and help preserve your youth. By including Reserve Vage Resveratrol in your daily regimen, you can enhance cardiovascular function, metabolism, mental acuity, and collagen production. If you want to regain your youthful radiance and enhance your longevity, do so with the world's finest resveratrol from Reserve Vage Organics. Why wait? Visit your local retailer and start the anti-aging process today. Reserve Vage Organics, committed to the extension of youth naturally. Available online at Reservage.com and at the Vitamin Shop, Vitamin World, and Whole Foods Market. Visit Reservage.com and feel vitality today. Many of us have tried diets, and honestly, a diet is just a tool. With the Take Shape for Life program, you can combine clinically tested MetaFast weight loss products along with the support from a Take Shape for Life certified health coach. You can watch life happen being overweight, or you can make life happen. The Take Shape for Life program gives you the tools and support to live a healthy life and reach your weight loss goals. Talk to a health coach. Call 877-520-SIMPLE. That's 877-520-SIMPLE. Results will vary. Talk to your doctor before starting program. Call for details. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Karen Good joining me here today. And before we go on, uh, I want to make sure that you have the website, kidswhoseeghosts.com. Kidswhoseeghosts.com. We've got messages coming in here, questions coming in here for you, Karen. So I want to make sure we get to them as well. Uh, also, we're going to be taking a journey, taking a journey with Karen about, you know, what happens when we do have our children that see ghosts? What is the best way to approach them? You know, what do some folks say about that? How do we know what our children are? Are they clairvoyant? Are they clairaudient? You know, what do we do? What do parents do? Well, that's why Karen Good does what she does, so she can. So she can help people uh, understand what's going on, 
what to do and also what not to do. Karen, thank you for joining us here today. I've got a couple of questions before we get to that that are coming in in the instant feedback system, and I just want to give them to you. There are two of them. Uh, first question is, um, hi, Dr. Pat. So are ghosts and being intuitive connected? It's an interesting question. So are ghosts and being, or I think she must be, are seeing ghosts and being intuitive connected? And that's actually a really good question. That is a good question. And, in fact, yeah. it, it's part of the topic of my book, Raising Intuitive Children, because in that book I actually define the different types of intuitive intelligence from uh, intuitive sports players to really creative uh, mental inspiration like music and, and writing books. But people who have high intuitive intelligence are psychic, and and they're like the music geniuses of those who have musical intelligence or the math geniuses of those who have math intelligence. So, yes, I think that intuitive, the intuitive radar of some children is almost hardwired in if they seem, you know, just normal kids growing up with a certain sensitivity to feeling, sound, energy, etc. cetera. Uh, they're wired that way, and they're part of, of that temperament that is an intuitive feeler uh who experiences life and negotiates their environment by their feeling and their heightened senses. So, uh, yes, I think there's a connection. I think that the psychic child is the uh, genius, if you will, of the intuitive intelligence, just like we've compared it to artists, sports players, etc. You know, in the book, there's a chapter, I have so many pieces of paper on your book right now and I don't want to jump all around but there is a there's a chapter where you say psychic children become psychic adults and the question that you ask is what is normal now I want to broaden this question a minute with you because we are now seeing and I believe it is the second or third generation of what people call the Ridlin generation um, some people do by the way and what I mean by that is that uh, we've gone through a wave of children that were born, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, brought into this world, and all of a sudden they were different. They were different in a lot of ways. I'm not so sure that they were different, but for whatever reason, there was a different label put on them, uh, whether you call it ADD, ADHD, learning different, any number of those differences. So the question I want to ask you, is in your journey, in what you have been able to discover, have you discovered a correlation between children that are intuitive, maybe some that are even psychic, and those children that have been classified in this whole range of ADD, ADHD, and learning different? Yeah, I do find, and it's from my own personal experience in teaching, my background has all has been special needs all the way up from, you know, early childhood through adulthood. And many of those were emotionally, uh, well, there were many, many labels over through the years. But, yes, I think there's a correlation. And I'm not saying all ADHD children are intuitive, but when your left brain has been 
slam dunked for not being intelligent enough or not achieving enough or having an auditory processing deficit or visually you can't see, um, you know, you develop your own skills in the Mm. way that you deal with life. And if you're intuitive, you know, you start second-guessing. I have failed every major exam because I don't take exams like college exams and and counseling exams, you know, those sit for the for the bar kind of exams, my logic and my brain get get fogged, but I can pass them intuitively by listening internally and guessing. Now I learned to do that when I was flunking algebra. And I learned growing up, you know, guess what? I have a math processing deficit. I don't get numbers. But I can ghostwrite you fifty books. Okay, (laughs) you know, so, yeah, I think children have learned it because it's part of their skill. And I do believe they've been uh, stuck in left brain classrooms. So, yes, there is a corresponding biochemical nature because the mind and the body are not separate entities. But you can't put an intuitive, intelligent child in a classroom because their needs are different. Number one, they're internally motivated and they feel their environment and they move. So in Vancouver, a classroom has uh, exercise balls where Mm -hmm. kids who need to move can take their book during reading class and go sit there for a bit. You see what I mean? I totally do. Because, I mean, you, you and I are very much alike. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I had the same that's my take on it. tests. Yeah. That's my take on it. And I also believe that the environmental toxicity has caused several generations of rewiring, if you will, of our of our human ability, from our health to our digestion to our enzymes to our nutrition to our ways of learning. I mean, and you're talking about the physical environment and some of the some of the things that have happened, not only in terms of what we breathe, but also what we eat um, yeah. and, and what, we what we're exposed to, electromagnetic yeah. energy. Wow. I mean, that's enough to really get you off balance. Yes, it is. Um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you with is, uh, is about the skeptic's view and the psychic's view. Uh, and, and I've got to bring up the, the word skeptic because sure, I think the there book. are skeptics in all of us about something or another. Well, there are skeptics in all of us, and, you know, rightfully so. This is not a book to put anyone down because we all have different temperaments. And if you look at the four core, you've got the type A high achiever doer who's kind of insensitive to feelings because his challenges, his wiring, her wiring is very different. So... You know, who's going to understand that somebody sees a ghost and it makes them feel ugly and yucky and grips their gut and makes them cry when they should just go back to bed and, and, you know, get on with the challenge? So I think there's a wiring difference, and the skeptic is in the book because he uses a very common-sense approach. He says that typically... When a child says, I see a ghost, the mom says, oh, my gosh, you see a ghost. Let me help you. And we want them to help the children. We want them to believe the children, soothe the children, communicate with the children, help the children make choices. But the skeptic's point is well taken, is explore it a little bit. 
don't jump to conclusions. Don't rush in and, you know, cognitively try and talk a child through something. Cognition and talking to a child is not going to soothe that gut that's feeling like it's being wrenched because of its fear, particularly in little kids. So I put the skeptic's viewpoint in because I don't care if parents believe in ghosts. I do want them to believe their children and understand that something is going on internally. You know, apparitions can be stress-induced. Adrenaline pumps to the temporal lobe, and children can see things. So, you know, we have to understand this, and, and his point is well taken. Ask the questions. You know, does your, is your child having night terrors? Is it hypnagogic imagery in the early morning hours? Uh, kids who go to bed with with sugar and aspartame in their system are going to have nightmares. I can take a Tylenol or a very strong Excedrin and have a nightmare because it affects my wiring. So you see, there's many instances, but parents can soothe their child if they're younger. The older the children are, you've asked me what do parents do. Parents need to talk with the children who are intuitive and see ghosts because there are a few children who grow up with this and don't shut it down at six or seven or eight when cognition sets in and that 135% of that early childhood neuronal power gets cut, you know, it gets pruned, it gets washed away, right? Exactly. So, so they're still seeing it at 8, 9, 10, 16, 17, and 18? Yeah, some are. And they have mm-hmm. to decide. They have to have these conversations in their household. You see ghosts? Well, do you want a relationship with ghosts? Do you want to shut the door? Do you want to turn your attention and focus to something else? If you're going to have a relationship with them, how's that going to affect our family? What are we going to say about that? You know, these are conversations that families have. And that's why that book was written, because we need to be talking about this stuff. They're, these are uh, important decisions. Very important decisions. They're very important. And I love that you say that these are conversations that parents and families should have, because we were up to the point here where we weren't having conversations. I mean, honestly, I mean, we've seen generations of children grow up under the label of ADD, ADHD. And no, I, I don't know that we had conversations about that from a positive point of view. It was really about how do we manage this or how do we, how do we calm this down? What I, what I hear you saying is that this is a time not to silence a voice but to raise that voice up and to speak about, you know, what some of the important things are and together make the decision. Yes, because the reason, you know, we know now why the skeptic was in the book, but why did I interview all of these psychic people who were psychic as children? And guess what, Mom and Dad? They grew up to be very nice people, and some of them are mediums. But Sonia Choquette says, why don't you pull up, a chair to the dinner table like her mother did and invite the ghost to dinner if you want to have a family conversation about it. Have some fun with this, you know. Um, John Holland used to paint, and he would soothe his spirits around him, if you will, through the painting. But he could talk about it, too. It wasn't a big deal in his family because his grandmother, you know, predicted lotto numbers or something. So everybody had a mentor, however, and everybody also had an outlet as a child 
to be able to discuss it. The few people in that book who did not have outlets, Donna Sebo, Andy Murphy, and another person, all had very, uh, Athena Drew, psychologist in New York, they had very prophetic dreams when they were teenagers. And these dreams were very frightening because the dreams were of accidents and of things that happened to the family members, and those dreams came true. And so who is that child supposed to go talk to? You know, what are they supposed to do about it? If they went to, Andy went to her father, her father said, don't you ever talk about that to the family, ever. You know? So these are why we have the conversations. And I want parents to know that, you know, children who are psychic grow up to be psychic adults and they find their way in life if they're given support. It's the same for a musician or an artist or people who have that inner rhythm that's got to come out somehow. We find our way. Well, and what I love about this is now we have guide, we have guidelines, we have books like this, we have the work that you've done. And I want to take a moment to talk about some of the people you've mentioned because you know, I want folks to know in the book that uh, Karen Good is my very special guest. The book is Kids Who See Ghosts. Um, you also have interviewed some people in the book, and you've mentioned a few of them. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 our listeners can certainly get a copy of the book, and they can kind of read what's in here. But I wanted to ask you if you were surprised. Uh, did any of did any of these folks that you've interviewed did any of them surprise you? In in any way? How did they in surprise any me? way? Mm-hmm. I was surprised by their definitive opinions on different matters from their personal experience. For example, of course, no one liked the word ghost, which was normal. I didn't particularly like it either, but that's what people out there call ghosts, so we're going to call them ghosts in the title. But I loved uh, John Holland's specific description of the fact that he didn't believe in ghosts. And he was very clear to distinguish between ghost and spirit and ghost and imprint patterns in very intense situations. And, you know, there's a very good, candid discussion of that in there. And I was discussing with Sonia Choquette once about uh, I'm getting tweens, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls who are depressed, who see shadows, who see spirits. They aren't interested in angels. They just want to know why they see spirits. So if you correlate depression with no boundaries, as she does, her point is that the ghosts have not entered these these girls' energy field or bedrooms, mm-hmm. but the girls have no boundaries. Their oh. feelings are like water. Oh, I see. And so we should not be teaching them to use their psychic gifts, perhaps, but maybe we should be teaching them emotional empowerment emotional intelligence skills do you see yeah so very very excellent advice and you know and donna sebo's point about you know never put spirits down in front of children because you may think they're bad but that's your misinterpretation and you confuse the child who has a good relationship with their imaginary friend or their angel or their grandpa so it's always explore be careful. So I was surprised by how candid and clear they all were based upon their life experience of the existence of this realm, of the communication with this realm, but not to 
not to be so gung-ho about it that you don't use your common sense in helping children. That I liked. I, I think that is a very, very powerful point. Um, and, you know, now also there are people to seek out to really get some advice, to get some counseling, you know, to get a different perspective than, you know, Johnny saw Johnny saw Grandpa today, and so let's go take him to, a, you know, a psychiatrist. And, you know, what advice do you have for parents that uh, are at that place or at that crossroads? Uh, well, because I think we're a lot more open now, Karen, don't you think? I mean, I think parents, you know, are, are, are a bit more open where, you know, if Johnny says, I saw Grandpa, they think twice about it. Yeah, you know, actually that was surprising to me that in a Harris poll, it's almost two-thirds of the people they polled have seen a loved one, and mm-hmm. they're not frightened by it. They actually find it comforting. So I thought that was good news. Well, yeah, it is, it, it's great news, actually. What do you think, uh, if any, have you heard from the folks you've interviewed are the downside of having this gift? And as a matter of fact, some people don't consider it a gift. Um, That's true, they don't. Yeah, what, what have they talked about in terms of the downside to this? Well, most of them as children felt very lonely because they didn't have anybody to talk to. And when mm. they were interested in UFO books or books on the Ouija board or something, their peers often put them down. So it wasn't that they were bullied so much as picked on, not accepted. So that, you know, kids learn to keep their mouth shut, obviously. But the loneliness was big, and not having anyone to talk to about it was big. And I still get emails from parents. It's like, there's nobody we can talk to down here or up here. And, you know, in the book, a wonderful medium and school teacher wrote an entire chapter on how to start a meetup group. You know, don't say there's no nobody we can talk to. Put out the word. Put out the meetup group on meetup.com and see who comes. You know, meet in a library, meet in a coffee shop, and see who shows up because there are other people out there like you. So it's not to be afraid to step out now. It's time to, like we said, have these conversations with each other. And the kids want to talk to kids. So, you know, there are chat rooms online now for children to talk to children, and I've put some kids in touch with each other to talk with each other. So it's happening. Well, it's happening, and, you know, certainly you have been a leader a leader in this arena, you know, a leader in this world where, you know, you have made it safe for people to have conversations. I want to make sure everybody out there who's listening knows the website to go to kidswhoseeghosts.com. Uh, that's also the title of the book. Uh, Karen Good is my very special guest today. There's also a blog on there. And if you want to, you know, take a look at uh, what's posted on a regular basis here. Uh, and I, I want to go to the blog for a minute. I know we only have a few minutes left. But I was interested in the article that you wrote about children have much to teach us about past lives. <laughs> mm. And the reason I bring that up is because, uh, you know, we're we're starting to hear the term past lives more now than I think that we've heard in the past 50 years. Uh, it's almost as if you mention it to somebody and they get it. But I wanted to ask you, you know, the lesson on past lives, whether it comes from the, you know, the mouth of babes or from uh, adults, 
what is the message on past lives? What is there for us to learn about them? Well, you know, whether or not one believes in past lives, I've got several stories, much of what is not in the book, about children who do say, you know, I was your mommy, mm. and I I knew Grandpa when we had horses. Mm. And, for example, I know two children who have come into this life. One is 25 now, and the other actually drowned when he was 15. But they both had a love of horses. And when they were younger, in their early years, they would talk about, I used to ride the horses in the forest. I used to ride the horses in the plains. And they could describe these pictures of the horses. And, in fact, the, the one girl who is now 25 years old, her her, uh, her story is phenomenal because it, it just she was born with it. And now she has a horse farm, and she shows them, and she raises them. And I mean... It was what she came to do. But these kinds of things I hear a lot from the children whose memories are real to them and they don't have any, to, to, they don't have any uh, guile about speaking about it. It's like it's truth to them. They see it, they blurt it out, and we all drop our mouths. But to these children, that's their life pursuit or that's their memory, and they bring it out. I think, to teach us that there is this continuation of consciousness. Now, in my mind, you know, where there is no time and there's only a unity of consciousness, maybe we all have access to everybody else's memories out there in, in Jung's giant collective unconscious, you know? Maybe that's where it comes from. But it, these children talk about it as if it were another life, another time on this planet where they lived someplace else, and they can describe it. Well, I, I think that, you know, for many people, well, first of all, you know, Karen, I want to congratulate you. This book is an international bestseller. And, you know, uh, for those of, uh, those of you out there that don't have a copy of this book now, uh, this is going to be something that you are going to want to read. That's why so many people all over the world are, are really opening it up. There's so much in here. There's, and, and there's so much we actually, Karen, didn't even get to. Um, because you've done such an amazing job at presenting both research, personal experiences, stories, and, and bringing the experts in. I wanted to ask you, uh, for your personal message, uh, what would you like to leave us with? What would you like to leave the listeners with tonight? And thank you so much for doing what you do and joining us here today. Thank you, Pat, for having me on and allowing the voice to, to be heard because, to me, it's the collective voice of children who need to move through their fears. So I do ask parents to honor and believe their child's rich inner imagination, whether they think it's a ghost or a fairy tale, play with them, listen to them, draw pictures with them, and know their child's inner depth because that's going to be the connection that their child grows up with and knows as a memory of love. And if they don't know what's going on in their 3-year-old or their 8-year-old, they're not going to know what's going on in their 15- and 18-year-old. So that's my message is connect, listen, and find out the, the inner beauty that's going on inside. 
make it come well, out. I want to thank you. I can't thank you enough. Uh, thank you, Karen. Good, everybody. The website, kidswhoseeghosts.com, that's what the book is, international bestseller. And for all of you out there that uh, have doubted yourself, what you see, what you believe, and the magic that is all around us, take that step forward. I hope you've heard something tonight that will change your life, change your world. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Dance on curtain call Take your last bow